Well, good morning to all of you that are here. You get another dose of me. And so we'll be we'll be in Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one and in verse four. Second Peter chapter one verse four. It says, by which, and of course we're getting in the middle of a thought here, it says, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. All right, and so we're going to be talking about this idea of being partakers of the divine nature. All right, and so when I first read that, that I just, that's, that's a bold statement to me. That uh, he is making this statement in which we can be a partaker of the divine nature. He's saying we can be like God. And on face value, that's, well, that's something, right? And when you think about that, so this is given to Christians. And, of course, this ability to become believers, to become Christians is given to all in which you can you can be something different. You can be something more. This is, you know, this is greater than anything that you can uh, receive on earth. And there is a change that can take place. You see in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, and this uh, idea, people will talk about it as man having a sin nature, and I don't know if I would quite take it that far, but we do know that man has a tendency to sin and that all men do sin. We see that in verse 12. It says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. All right? So you have sinned, and yet he's saying, so this is who you are. We know the consequences of that. And again, he's saying, you can become something more. You can become something different. You can Put this off. Ephesians 4 and verse 22 that says that we can't put off this old man, uh, this old man that has uh, this sin and and the corruption and and this condemnation from God. He says that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. All right? So we have the ability to put that off, this old man, and then put on this divine nature, all right? And when we think about that, that, again, this is given uh, to believers, but recognize that God has always distinguished man from all other creatures. And this just kind of helps me to understand that we look at this and may say, wow, but really this is kind of goes in line with what God has always done for man. We see in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 that uh, God says, let us make man in our own image. All right? So there is, we see where man is distinguished like no other creature. This is not, he does not say, let us make any other animal in our image. It's only given to man. And I don't think, when, of course, a lot of times getting this mind, is he saying, well, he said in our image, is he saying that we look like God or we look like uh, the Holy Spirit or whatever? And I don't... Maybe, but I don't think that's what he's saying. He's saying that we have these characteristics. We have a soul, we an immortal, an eternal soul. 
uh, that's like that just as uh, just as God is is a soul is a spirit is eternal we have that same eternal soul and so in that way we are similar to him but we also have ways in which we can again become more like him and become pretty similar uh, to him as well all right and so uh, we see uh, and and you know, we kind of already talked about this in, at the supper in Galatians chapter 4, this idea of being heirs and joint heirs, that in Romans 8 and verses 16 through 17, it says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and children, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And so here, notice he says heirs of God and joint heirs, with Christ, all right? So there's some, I hate to say it, but there's some kind of equality there. I hope you understand what I'm talking about here, uh, that you are heirs of God, you are sons of God, as, as, the, as Paul writes in Galatians, all right? And so there's these statements that are made throughout the New Testament that speaks of this relationship and this relationship that God has uh, to man, it's, and especially to believers, that's unlike anything else that we see, uh, or uh, well, it's not like any other relationship that God has with any other living being on this planet. And of course, Galatians four verse seven again: uh, If you're a son, if you're if you're a son, you're an heir of God through Christ. All right. So when we look at second peter in verse 4 chapter 1 and verse 4 this phrase again partakers of the divine nature you look at that and, and at least the first thing that registers in my mind is, is is he talking about you can become a god or you can become equal with god and i don't think that's the case i know some in the, the mormon religion would say that they can become a god and but that's really not what we see in the New Testament. Uh, for example, in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 28, it says, Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. All right, so this is pretty clear. All things are subject to him. That means that there's nothing that's equal to him or equal in authority. All right, and so it's pretty clear here that he's not talking about we can become totally equal with God, okay? And so we have to think, be thinking, what is, what, what is he really talking about here? And we really have to look at the context and the verses surrounding this phrase, kind of understand what he's trying to say here. Notice, uh, we can be a partaker of this nature by exceedingly great and precious promises. All right, we'll talk about these promises in a minute. Also says, before that, uh, that God has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. All right? And so how do we gain that knowledge of Him? Well, we gain it through His Word. That's the only way we really can know who He is. And so through that, we have all things that pertain to life and godliness. And also, after uh, this phrase, we can be a partaker of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so we can kind of piece this together. That the exceedingly great and precious promises help us to uh, receive this nature. Uh, it, helps, you know, it, it, it goes along with escaping this corruption and also with 
this knowledge of him that helps us to know all things that pertain to life and godliness. And what we can see here is that we're not like, we're not becoming just as equal with him, but we're gaining those characteristics uh, that uh, that God has. For example, Peter also writes, uh, and it's referencing to another scripture, be holy for I am holy. All right. So why do we become holy? Well, He is, and so we can be. Uh, we can become more holy. We are to be imitators of Christ. We're to be doing the exact same things as, as as He does. All right. Doesn't mean that we're equal with Him, but we're acquiring those characteristics uh, that He has and growing in those characteristics. All right. And so we can receive that through these great and precious promises and also through the knowledge of him. And he's given us everything that we need in order to obtain that nature. We see in Acts chapter 2 and verse 39, this is the top point here. Acts 2 and 39, it says, For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. All right, so this is Peter preaching. He has just told them what to do in order to have their sins forgiven and making, uh, making it clear that it's not just for them right there, but it, it, it's to all who are far off. As many as the Lord God will call us, given to anybody, those that will believe that promise and do what's necessary to obtain that promise, they're going to be able to receive it. Acts 13 and verse 23 uh, it says, from this man's seed, which is referencing David here at this point, it says, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior, Jesus. Again, referencing through to the promise that God was going to do this, and he did accomplish that, all right? And then also in chapter 26, in verse 6, it says, and now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers, all right? So you think about that. This promise was made... A long time before it was actually fulfilled. All right, and we also see in, in Romans chapter four and and tying in this promise of being an heir of all nations that was given to Abraham and how that ties in uh, to our salvation. In verses thirteen and fourteen, it says, "For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith." For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. All right. So this promise, again, he would be heir and it was given through the righteousness of faith. All right. And in verse 16, it says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. All right, so this, this promise is sure to all the seed, not to those only, to those of the law, but to those who are also of the faith of Abraham. I've mentioned this several times recently, but it's, it's interesting that the Bible in the New Testament references this idea of those that, for example, are sons of Abraham or or sons of God or, or sons of Satan, uh, that it's referencing to those that kind of emulate them, right? So those that have the faith of Abraham, that same type of faith that Abraham had, they are that seed 
that is referenced in that promise. All right, and so it's given to uh, that promise is is given to all who are of that same type of faith. All right, and it's not just to the Jews. All right, so again. We've received, the part, we've received this divine nature through these exceedingly great and precious promises. This is what this promise looks like. This promise of salvation that was given before time began. It was given to Abraham as, as well. And so that those that have faith and are righteous through that faith also receive, that, receive this promise of salvation. Galatians 3 and verses 22 and 29 It says, but the scripture has confined all under sin that the promises by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to to those who believe. All right? So again, this promise. How do we receive this promise? By faith in Jesus. All right? So those that believe are going to receive this promise. That's the only way. And in verse 29, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And Paul making it doubly clear here that whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, doesn't matter. If you're a Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. So this promise of being an heir, and again, this promise of, of salvation is given to all of anyone who is willing to believe. Right, Second Corinthians chapter seven and verse one. So we have this promise, and we recently talked about in Titus that this hope of salvation that this it causes us it or this grace teaches us to change our ways, and this is pretty similar to what we see in Second Corinthians chapter seven. It says, therefore, having these promises, beloved. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So if we have these promises, it doesn't mean that we just continue living just as we have previously lived. Rather, we cleanse ourselves. We cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. All right? So not only am I changing what I do, my, you know, I'm changing what I'm thinking, what I'm saying, and it's just this total makeover uh, that we all should be undergoing if we have these promises. And what is our ultimate goal here? Is to perfect holiness in the fear of God. We're striving to be holy just as he is holy again. All right? So we ought to always be changing and growing and getting better. And if we're not, then... Again, we're, we need to make that change. All right, we need to repent because this is exactly what a Christian's life looks like. It's a series of changes throughout life of getting better and better, of perfecting this holiness. Hebrews chapter four, in verse one, it says, "Therefore, since a promise remains of entering His rest." Let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. All right? And so we see in the chapter 3, we see where uh, the writer is comparing Israel, those that didn't believe, uh, to Christians uh, then, and of course it, it would apply to us now, and saying that those that really didn't, that those that 
didn't obey, they didn't believe. And so in verse 1, he says, Therefore, since the promise remains of entering his rest, all right, this is not this promised land of Canaan. This is eternal life. So we have a promise. He says, Let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. That there is a possibility that you can come short of, that you are part of those people that are trying to enter into that rest. Be careful, and you don't act like those of that those uh, Israelites of old. That you obey, that you really truly believe. And he says in verse six, he says that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. All right. So we see here, there's activity. It takes work. It's not just some walk in the park. Again, think about Israel coming into the land. There was a lot of work that needed to be done. They didn't, they, they, they didn't do all of it, really. But, again, we ought to be very focused, making sure that we exercise ourselves, you know, really making sure that we truly have faith and that we are really working towards inheriting those promises. All right? Chapter 11, chapter 11, verse 11 says, By faith Sarah her, herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful, who had promised. In verse 13 says, These all died, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. All right? So we see Sarah, and then of course in chapter 11 we see all these individuals who are doing these things by faith, and then we see that where we had Sarah, notice what she did, she judged him faithful who had promised. So if God makes a promise to us, we can rest assured that he's going to keep him, and we ought to have the same mindset as Sarah did, right? That she believed that if she that since God said that she could conceive, then therefore it was going to happen. She judged him faithful who had promised. And also all these other individuals that died in faith, they did not receive the promises. And this, of course, I think just talking about they didn't, they didn't get everything that we have, but they were assured of them, all right? So having seen them afar off, they were assured of them. So this this. You know, this ultimate salvation, Christ, all those other things, they weren't, they didn't see them, but they were assured of them. They knew that at the end of the day, everything was going to be all right for them. And what did they do? They embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. So embracing those promises, and then because of that, they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They they had no part of this. They were just passing through. This was not their their. This was not what they were focused on. They were willing to give up everything uh, for those promises. And we see some of the things that they endured with the very terrible things uh, that they endured because they were looking for those promises. All right. So again, those exceedingly great and precious promises that are given to us. And then those promises, uh, you know, help us to act and to become holy, to, uh, to uh, 
to uh, make to try to and, and be like these individuals here, in which they would confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Right. Second Peter one verses nineteen and twenty one. So we have these great, uh, great and precious promises. We also see where. We can, we can, we have all these things that are given to us through the knowledge of Him. We have all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him, and we also see in Second Peter one this again this other reference through knowledge to the Scriptures. And it's also interesting that, of course, this was towards the end of Peter's life. Here, uh, he's getting close to death, and we see this appeal towards the Scriptures. Making sure that you know them, making sure that you have that knowledge. And here, Peter's again emphasizing the importance of Scripture. He says, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Right and again, no scripture is a private interpretation. Emphasize that nobody, that, that those prophets that were speaking, it did not make these things, did not make these things up. That they were moved, they spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so we can rest assured, if we believe that, then we recognize that the scriptures are essentially coming from God, and they are complete. They are perfect for us to help us to grow in godliness, to know what we ought to be doing, know what we ought to be changing, and uh, you know, maybe, maybe know what uh, things to put away as well. And then we also see in John uh, in, you know, chapter 14 and through chapter 16 as well, these references of the Holy Spirit coming. It says, but the helper, and I believe this is chapter 15 or maybe chapter 14 and verse 26 it says but the helper the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that i said to you of course we briefly we talked about this not uh, uh not that long ago in our class in john that god was going to lead these individuals bring all things to remembrance in which jesus has said to them and the things in which they write, they're going to be inspired. The things in which they say are going to be inspired as well. They're going to be able to remember all of these things as well. And so there is some validity behind those scriptures. All right, And recognize that also how Jesus viewed the scriptures as well. Remember that he based an entire doctrine off the tense of a verb. All right, So the idea of the doctrine of the resurrection. All right? I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not I was. Okay? And so just by using that, he made the case for that. And it really makes the case for how Jesus views those scriptures and how we ought to view those scriptures as well. That just one word is there for a reason. All right? And we can build a case for doctrine off of that. And we can, we can be assured that that is correct. Right? Ephesians 4 and verse 22. So, we read that we have these exceedingly great and precious promises. Uh, we can have all things that pertain to life and godliness through knowledge of Him. And then, we can be partakers of the divine nature, you know, putting off uh, that corruption. All right? And he says in Ephesians 4 and verse 22, we already referenced this, 
But he says, again, that you put off your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, that these lusts in which we have, that eventually, and James talks about these desires that culminate into sins, that these, if we don't control them, lead us to, to sin, and because of that, we grow corrupt, all right? Spiritually corrupt. And so... You know, a lot of people would say, well, that's just me. I can't change. That's just my nature. Paul here is saying you can change. It doesn't matter what it is. You can put it off, all right? It doesn't matter what addiction it may be. It doesn't matter what, you know, whatever you may have done in your past life. You can get rid of that. You can make a change, all right? And we can put that off. Second Peter 2 and verse 19 so in a little different context, it's talking about these false teachers. But it says, while they promised them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. All right, so these individuals, they're overcome. They're slaves of corruption. They're overcome by corruption. They're just consumed by it. All right? And we ought to make sure that, that we don't get uh, persuaded by these individuals. All right. He goes on to say that these individuals, they're going to, they're going, they were better off if they just didn't even know the way of truth at all, rather than knowing it and turning away from it. And so again, it's possible for us to be cleansed and then go back into this corruption. But again, we have to make a choice, and we can put all of this stuff, put all of this stuff away. All right. So be careful. Make sure that you are on the right track. And then finally, in 2 Peter 1, in verses 5 through 10, so we can be a partaker through these promises, through knowledge, we can put off this corruption. And then, in verses 5 through 10, Peter gives us a list of things, attributes, in which we ought to be growing in. He says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence... Add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins." Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never, never stumble. All right? And so, all of us are to be growing in the, all of these different characteristics. All right? And we give all diligence. All right? To growing in all of these. All right? And if we abound in these things, notice what he says. You will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That, uh, that these characteristics, they're, they're going to allow you to produce fruit. They're going to, they're going to help you to grow. They're going to help you to become more like him. But those that choose not to, kind of like what we just read previously in Second Peter, that those that lack these things, that won't grow in these things, they're short-sighted. And it also says that he has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. All right? So he just kind of forgets what has been done for him, and they turn to the world. All right? They don't choose these things. They just give in to their lusts. They grow corrupt. They forget that they were cleansed from their sins. 
But if we do grow, we see that we can make our call and election sure, all right? And we, dil- we ought to be diligently doing that. So we can know, right, if we are, if we are truly saved, if we are elect, all right, we can examine ourselves. If we're doing these things, we can rest assured that God's going to keep his promises. And I think really all of these characteristics is part of that divine nature, right? We grow in these things. We become more like God. We're a partaking of that divine nature, right? Well, that's all I had. It was kind of a short lesson, but I wanted to briefly talk about that, that idea that uh, ultimately this divine nature is we're just becoming more and more like God. This is not some supernatural, wild experience. This is just acquiring uh, those same characteristics that God has. That, uh, you know, we, again, we see where we are uh, we're becoming just as holy as he is. We're developing that same mindset as he is. Right? And... For those that are not here, if you want to be a partaker of that nature, if you want to become more like him, if you want to have those exceedingly great and precious promises, uh, we certainly offer that, uh, that invitation now. Uh, if you want to uh, become baptized or uh, you need to study the scriptures, need to know more about this, we'd certainly like to help you uh, in any way possible. And for those who are already a Christian, if um, you may have gone uh, back into some of the old ways in which you have previously done, these sinful ways, and you need to repent. You need the prayers of the saints. We certainly offer this time of invitation now. And just if you need prayer for any, uh, anything else, uh, again, come as we stand and as we sing. All things are ready. Come to the